our Lord God Almighty reigns, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we'll live lives free of any trouble, but it does mean that we can face those troubles with a confident trust in the words, the decrees, and the promises of God. Christians respond to doubt with faith. That's what we'll think about in our service this morning as we meditate on the words of Romans chapter 8. Our second reading this morning is from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. These verses will also serve as today's sermon text. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Because those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then will we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? Who will bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, who died and more than that, was raised to life, is the one who is at God's right hand and who is also interceding for us. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the word of our God. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. My dear family in Christ, so what will it be for you? For Elijah, it was the frustrations of ministry. Proclaiming the word of the Lord, but no one seemed to listen. Followers of Baal increasing, he feels as though he's the only prophet of the Lord left. What happened to your sustaining love, Lord? What about your promises? I've had enough. Take my life. For the disciples, it was what they thought was a ghost headed straight for their boat in the middle of a stormy night. For Simon Peter, it was seeing these huge waves, being terrified at them, instead of trusting the Lord who gave him the ability to walk on them. So what will it be for you? What doubts and fears what obstacles make you start to wonder if God maybe doesn't love you as much as you thought he did? 
Today's scripture readings are featuring believers who had a strong and abiding trust in the Lord and his ability to save them, but individuals who began to doubt when God's plans didn't seem to match up with their plans. And this morning, in these familiar words from Romans chapter 8, the Lord quiets our fears and bolsters our trust by assuring us that nothing can separate you from his love. First of all, let's acknowledge the fact that life's troubles can lead us to question God's love. Has that ever happened to you? Is it maybe happening right now? Have you ever found yourself really struggling to make ends meet or suddenly faced with some unforeseen tragedy or praying fervently in the midst of some struggle and nothing seems to change and you end up asking yourself, what have I done to make God so upset with me? Has God abandoned me? Has he stopped loving me? At times like those, believers, we need to get a reality check. You know, ever since that one fateful day in the Garden of Eden, troubles have been one of life's givens. Not just for brazen unbelievers, but even for the people of God. Jesus wasn't shy about warning us, his followers, in this world you will have trouble. Did you notice that Paul gives a catalog of some of those troubles in verse 35 of our text? He asks, what will separate us from the love of Christ? And he names some of the possibilities. He says, will trouble, the problems of life that just kind of blindside us, or distress, an inward stress that, that presses down on us, weighs us down, or persecution, the trouble that comes into our lives specifically because of our love for the Lord, his word, and his will, or famine, or nakedness, trouble that comes in times of want or need when we find ourselves lacking something, or danger, or sword, physical threats, bodily threats, maybe to your health, unexpected assaults, you know, you go through any of those troubles that Paul lists long enough and intensely enough, and Satan will find himself smugly smiling as you begin to doubt God's love for you. When we find ourselves going through some trouble in life, we are often prone to forget and slow to really trust what God tells us in that familiar verse at the start of our text. We know, Paul says, it's our confident trust. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know this, Paul says. How does he know that? Because God said so. And God could never lie, and God is never mistaken, and God could never, ever break a promise. We know that God will take the troubles that we face in life and work them somehow, some way, for our spiritual good. And then the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, points us to his plan of salvation to back that up. Would you question his love for you as he reminds you that from eternity he knew you, he chose you, he predestined you to be his own, and then he worked out things in your life so that in the course of your life you were introduced to the gospel and the Holy Spirit called you to faith in Jesus, your Savior? 
When you know that God has justified you in Christ Jesus, forgiving you all your sins, when he tells you here that he has glorified you, he has set you apart for the coming glory of heaven that will never end, that is the undeniable ultimate proof of God's great love for you. We know that. But doubt comes to threaten our trust, and we sometimes behave like little children who, when they don't get their way with something, run down the hallway and throw themselves on the bed sobbing and saying, well, I guess you don't love me anymore. But friend, Paul is stopping us dead in our tracks this morning. He's grabbing us by the shoulders and he's looking us squarely in the eye and assuring us, dear Christian, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And in those moments in life, when you are starting to doubt that or wonder about that, he directs your attention to a hill just outside of Jerusalem called Calvary a couple thousand years ago. And he does that because God's love is best seen at the cross. Now, permit an outlandish example this morning, but suppose that you and your son are out and about and you suddenly come across four people that you know from your workplace. These aren't four nice people. They're purposely mean to you every day. They're constantly talking behind your back. They're throwing you under the bus for things at work that were not your fault. They're taking credit for the work that you've done and bad-mouthing you to your boss. And suddenly, someone walking by tosses a grenade at the feet of those four people, and your son looks at you in an instant and says, I'm going to throw myself on top of that grenade and save them. Would you let your son do that? God did. Verse 32, if God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? God didn't just tell you about his love for you. He put his plan into action he sacrificed his own beloved son to take your place, to live in your shoes the perfect life you haven't lived, to go to the cross, to suffer the penalty and the punishment for every sin that you've ever committed, the sins that otherwise would have dragged you down to hell forever. Jesus willingly went to the cross, the ultimate proof of love, and took away our hell. God's love for you is best seen at the cross. And then the Lord takes it one step further. Because he loves us so much, he wanted to free us from all accusations. We are free of all charges. We have been completely acquitted. Our God, for Jesus' sake, has given us his verdict. You are not guilty. And so Paul asks rhetorically here in our text, who will bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. God's the one who declares not guilty. The Bible describes the devil, Satan, as the accuser of God's people. Satan loves to take the sins that you've committed and to shove them in God's face and say, there, they've sinned against you, now you've got to send them down to hell. And it's in those moments when Jesus intercedes for us 
He steps between us and Satan, and he turns to his heavenly Father, and he sends Satan scurrying off by saying, no, that is a sin that I paid for. That sin has been forgiven, and that sinner has been declared not guilty. You see, God's great love for us won the victory over sin and Satan, even over death itself. And now we are alive in Christ Jesus. Friends, knowing that, how could we ever wonder if God truly loves us? Nothing can separate you from God's love. His love is best seen at the cross. And thirdly, Paul tells us that God's love sustains us in all of our troubles. You know, I think that sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that people back in Bible times didn't have to face as much adversity as we have to face in our world today? Guess again. You know, when Paul writes here that none of life's troubles can separate us from the love of Christ, Paul knew what he was talking about. Now, recall that there was a time when Paul came from a very wonderful family. He was highly trained, highly educated. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew among Jews and advancing through the ranks. And then out of the middle of nowhere, God came to him and called him to faith in Christ Jesus, and everything changed. Paul lost everything for the sake of Christ. And because he dared to preach the gospel, Paul was ridiculed and rejected and reviled. They threw him in prison. They tortured him with whippings and beatings. At one point, they dragged him out and and hurled stones at him and left him for dead. He was shipwrecked and hungry and tired. See, Paul knew what he was talking about when he wrote in verse 37 of our text, no, in all these things, through all these terrible troubles we face, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. It made no difference to Paul what kinds of troubles he had to suffer through in this life because God had a perfect and never-ending glory waiting for him in heaven. Paul knew and treasured the fact that God loved him unconditionally in spite of his unworthiness. And so he knew that none of the, the troubles that he faced could ever stop God from loving him. In fact, he says, we are more than conquerors in Christ. More than conquerors. Because not only are we not defeated by life's troubles, but the truth is that those troubles then lead us to despair of ourselves and our own weakness and to find ourselves putting our trust in God's perfect strength all the more. Matter of fact, Paul knew there was nothing anywhere that could separate him from God's love. So he says at the end of our text, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, Neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now think about that list. Paul says not even death could separate him from God's love. If he lived, he lived to the glory of the Lord. If he died, he would go and live with the Lord in glory forever. Angels couldn't separate Paul from God's love. The good angels wouldn't want to. And the evil angels are subject to God's authority. 
Paul was confident that he was safe in the present and, and, and the future was entirely in the hands of God. The highest honors in the world that people could, could shower down upon Paul wouldn't tempt him to take for granted the love of his Savior. The lowest depths that life's gloomiest times could drag him into would never cause him to forget how very much Jesus loved him. There was nothing anywhere that could change one glorious truth that nothing could stop God from loving him. Wouldn't you like to have that same kind of assurance as you face trouble in life? You can. But not if you have an on-again, off-again relationship with the God of your salvation. Not if you only occasionally Think about the truths of his word. Not if you're content to kind of hold the Lord at arm's length in life. Christian, please remember that you have the very same words and promises of God that Paul had. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins just as certainly as he died for the sins of the Apostle Paul. Remember that Satan can bring no charges against you any more than he could bring any charges against Paul. You are justified. God has freely declared you not guilty in Christ, and heaven is yours. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Matter of fact, the only thing that can rob us of the blessings that this loving God has prepared for us is us our refusal to believe what he's promised. So no matter what, take hold of his word. Immerse yourself in what he's promised. Rejoice to know that he will always be perfectly faithful to you. Rejoice to know that he will take all these difficulties that we're facing in life and use them to shape us and form us and hone us. He'll work them for our good. Today, God is reminding you that nothing can separate you from his love. Not height, not depth, not angels, not demons, not even death. Nothing. And so if you ever begin to doubt God's love for you in the midst of any trouble that you face, go back to this love letter that God has written to you and immerse yourself in the comfort of the Bible. Because Christians answer doubt with faith. An unyielding trust in the fact that what God says is true. When we hear the gentle whisper of his voice, then the waves of doubt begin to recede and faith finds its place again, making us sure of what we hope for and all the more certain of what we don't yet see. Brothers and sisters, may God help us to more fully trust his promises to us. And that way we'll be able to say right along with the Apostle Paul, I am convinced that nothing will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen. Amen.